Welcome to Life as a Soldier podcast, a Demon Radio production. My name is Command Sergeant Major Albert Serrano, also known as Demon7, and I will be your host. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast to hear the stories and lessons learned from some of the bravest and hardest working men and women in the United States Army. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of our Life as a Soldier podcast. As always, I am your host, Command Sergeant Major Serrano, aka Demon7, and today's episode is titled Leaders of the Big Red One. For this very special episode, I'm honored to be joined by none other than our very own 1st Infantry Division and Fort Riley Command Team. All the way from all the way from Fort Riley, we have Danger 6 and Danger 7 here with us today. Also joining me today is my boss, Demon 6, the commander of the 1st Combat Aviation Brigade. Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedules to join me today. I'd like to start by asking each of you to please introduce yourselves and telling our listeners who you are, what you do, a little bit about your family, and maybe some of your favorite hobbies. So, sir, if you'd like to go first. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having us here. It's good to be in Europe again and certainly good to be back with the Demon Brigade. Uh, Major General D.A. Sims, Commanding General of uh, the 1st Infantry Division in Fort Riley. I've been in command now for just about a year. And um, and back home, I've got a wife and a daughter who's in college and a, a black lab who's in the kennel for a couple of weeks who would be pretty angry with me when I pick her up. Um, but again, it's, it's really great to be here and, and to hang out a little bit in Germany and then get a chance to go forward and see some others here in the next couple of days. Yeah, and I'll echo that too. Uh, really, this, thanks for having us out here. This is my first time out here in Stork Barracks, um, and it's even more special to be here with the Demon Brigade and the great things that you all are doing out here. So Ray Harris here, the Division Sergeant Major for uh, First Infantry Division of Fort Riley. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's it's great to be out here and uh, and see this uh, and everything that you're doing. I got a a spouse that I've had where we hit our 20 year anniversary this year, and uh, two children, uh, both about well, shoot, both of them are teenagers now. Uh, so do that, and I tell you, I, I will say my hobby. My hobby is uh, battling the CG and golf on a weekly basis. Uh, so we like to get out there and do that. That kind of gives us our, uh, a little bit of charge and some energy as we go into the following week. So thanks. Good afternoon, uh, Sergeant Major and roommate. Um, uh, Brian Shivers and I am the, the Aviation Brigade Commander of the 1st Infantry Division. And um, it, again, been out for about 24 years now, a, uh, a longtime listener, first time caller uh, for here, but uh, uh, joined at 23 years, uh, just celebrating uh, this weekend. Our, uh, our anniversary and uh, Alicia, my wife and, and five kids are now doing a two day overnight hike in uh, Northwest Montana. So I look forward to seeing them here in, uh, in, in a couple weeks. All right, great. Thank you all for those introductions and welcome. Uh, so this, this week's episode is kind of twofold. Uh, one is an opportunity to you know converse with you all, great leaders of the, of the First Infantry Division and, and the Combat Aviation Brigade. And secondly, to kind of farewell Colonel Shivers as he got less than a week left to go uh, before he switches out. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to just throw questions out there and for anyone who wants to go first to answer, with all the years of experience and service and, and leadership that we have here in, in the room today, what have you learned uh, about yourself through your time in command or as a division command sergeant major? Yeah, so I'll jump. I'll jump on it first, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, Sergeant Major Harris here again. Um, you know what I what I learned a lot about myself um, 
in this position particularly um, is really about maybe some of its patience, uh, and it's more patience to myself. Um, as in, I like to I like to move out on a lot of things very quickly, but understanding that you know moving out quickly comes at a cost to multiple things. Uh, a lot of times, it's my family, and so having the patience to kind of slow down and give my own self um, an appetite suppressant, if that makes sense. Uh, has really helped. Uh, you know, to me, a leader is a leader is a leader. And that's really how you impart your leadership attributes, your traits, um, and your, your personality through availability um, matters. Uh, and so I, th- I think those those things come naturally to a lot of leaders. Um, but internally, you know, that, that's what I'd probably say. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is Major General Sims. Um, you guys have heard me tell this story before uh, outside of this podcast, but you know, I I was a lieutenant at the um, at Second Range Battalion, and I had a an experience there that has kind of guided me for 30 years now, and uh, 28 years since that point. Um, it hasn't changed in that entire time. The some of the the uh, um, complexity has changed, but you know, I was a lieutenant. I was working on a range or on a live fire packet in my CP at 275, and um, Staff Sergeant Ping, one of my squad leaders, walked in with a, with a pretty young soldier um, and said, hey, sir, you got a minute? And my platoon sergeant's in, we're in the CP there. And I said, yeah, sure. I put down my pencil. And he said, hey, sir, um, you know, Private Smith didn't get $40 on his paycheck. And it happened last month. And we went down and tried to take care of it. And again, this month, he didn't get his $40. And we were wondering if you could help us. And I, you know, I was a I was a lieutenant. I was excited about doing everything back then. I'm still pretty excited about it. But, um, you know, I, I, me, I was like, hey, I got it. You know, Smitty, I got it. And you could see on, you know, this is a private, and you could see that he had, um, he felt good about things. Like, you know, there was a relief on his face, and they, they left, and they shut the door. I picked up my pencil and started working on the live fire packet again. My platoon sergeant looked over at me, and he said, sir, what are you doing? And I said, I said, Tell, I'm working on that life fire packet. You know I'm working on this packet. And he goes, yeah, but what about that $40? And I said, hey, I'll, I'll get that $40. And he said, uh, he said, sir, he said, Private Smith went to his squad leader. They tried to get it fixed, couldn't get it fixed. They came in here to you, his platoon leader, and he needs help with that $40. That's the biggest problem in his life. And he brought that to you. And you're working on a life fire packet. And I was like, when, I, when he said that, it just kind of <laughs> struck me. And I remember I, I put down the pencil and I marched out to go get that 40 bucks. 30 years later, 28 years later, nothing's changed. It's the same thing, right? I mean, I continue to think about, you know, somebody brings me a problem. That's the biggest problem in their life. And the, the, the longer we stick around the Army and the more we rise in rank, the more complex those problems become. I mean, the problems that people bring me as the commanding general are a little bit more complex than that $40 problem when I was a lieutenant. But they're all the biggest problems in somebody's life. And so, you know, that's really guided me now for, you know, 28 plus years. I'm at 30 years in the Army. And um, and so that part hasn't changed in my career. And I, I I try to think that I go after those problems with the same level of tenacity that I did when I was the first lieutenant. So, Thank you for that, sir. Hey, so, sir, I've, I've heard that story, like you said, a couple times now. I actually retold it last night to, to my successor. Um, and I actually got the number right, $40. I call it the $40 speech. Um, and so what I think I've learned um, 
is that you gotta you know you gotta learn right? you gotta be open to different stories and different experiences to continue to help shape you and, and to be able to answer those hard and uh, continually with seemingly impossible challenges. Uh, and that's the beauty about the military is that you get exposed to different leaders to be able to show you that. And, and then I think that, you know, for, for you, a measure of, of your success um, is when people start talking like you and they start sharing your stories. And so I think that, you know, you're not out there to create many shiverses, but you know you're having an impact when they are retelling stories or using language like he's a pipe swinger and I thought I was the only one that ever used that and then when they start using it you're like okay people are actually listening so but I just think that it's uh, you, you got to be constantly you are learning and if you see that uh, that's a good thing uh, and and you, you got to be open to other it can come from a major general it can come from a command sergeant major and it can come from a private like I learned last night down in the lounge yeah, thank you, sir. So, you know, I think uh, I, sometimes I refer to things as an aha moment. I think we all had it, sir. You alluded that $40 story might have been your moment. What kind of changed or shaped you to focus more on what the, uh, the important things are at that time? I, I read a quote some time ago in the book. Uh, I think it was called The Eighth Habit. Don't quote me on that. But I, uh, I always tell soldiers that when they ask me what, what does leadership mean to me, um, and obviously we have the doctrinal definition of leadership in the army, obviously, but I always say the quote that I read said, leadership is a choice, not a position. And I use that all the time. I've given gifts away as a Sergeant Major to my first Sergeant that with that quote under, I, lo I personally like, love that quote because I believe that you, you have to truly make that choice because as a leader, as we all know, I mean, you, you made that choice when you're a Lieutenant, like you said, because anybody can fill a position, but you really got to invest and it comes with a lot of butt pain we can call it if you will that that you know to, to truly care and do everything that leader's supposed to do it requires a lot more than just because you're the highest ranking or the senior person or, or whatever the case might be so th that's just my my thoughts on that but uh but i i think we all have that that moment and i think you've all alluded to that so thank you for that um my next thing is, is you know with your busy schedule especially yours uh, uh certain sergeant major um Something that I know is near and dear to all of our hearts is, is wellness, you know, victory wellness, or just wellness, holistic wellness, if you will. So how do you maintain your physical and mental health? Well, I think, you know, part of it's habit, right? I mean, part of it's habit. I mean, we, you know, the, the harder part is not, uh, the harder part is not having the time to do it. Even though we talk about how busy we are, you know, I mean, um, we're all busy, right? I mean, we're all busy, but we all fill our days with the things that we fill our days with. And I think if we figure out what our priorities are, then, and we get those priorities right, then we tend to, to get them in, in the correct order. And sometimes those priorities, you know, they adjust over time, right? I mean, if you, you know, if, if you think that, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, your priorities are the exact same as they are on Monday through Friday, then you're probably doing them wrong. Um, but I do think whatever you prioritize is where you're going to spend your time. And so physical and, and you know, emotional strength, um, you know, spiritual strength, family, social, all that is about how you prioritize your time over the course of the week. You, you guys are the same. I mean, there's, there are plenty of weeks that go by where you're probably not spending as much time on, on one of those dimensions of strength as you need to. And then you got to be smart enough to recognize that and, and adjust. 
if you get out of balance, that's when you're in trouble, right? I mean, you can be strong across four of the five dimensions of strength, but if you're not, if your family strength is weak or your spiritual strength is weak, that that's all it takes to, you know, for you to have a whatever you want to call it, breakdown or, you know, to stop performing at the at the level that you really want to perform at. But I do think it's about establishing and, and following your priorities. Yeah, no, and and. and I will tell you, for me, it's it's a lot of getting out of the normal um, day-to-day, I don't want to call it a rut, but, uh, you know, really kind of the day-to-day tasks that we do and finding something new. And so I'll get in times where I love the gym, just like you, Sergeant Major Serrano, you know, I, I, gym is kind of like my sanctuary in the morning. Uh, but when I do the same routine for a month or three months straight, you start to lose a little motivation in it because, well, it's the same thing. And so how do I break myself from that day-to-day habitual routine where nothing stops? I mean, you know, I don't want to say nothing stops, nothing changes, and it's the same. Uh, and so to recharge, you know, it's things like, like I said earlier about, you know, playing golf, you got to find those things that give you that internal strength or that recharge um, that do those things. But part of it for me, uh, you know, myself and others that I've seen, because I've learned from somebody else, is doing something new, right? Just trying something new one week. Uh, you know, just to give you a different perspective and get out of your comfortability zone. Um, because I think we get into those ruts or we get into those things because we're comfortable doing it because we know it. There's no, there may not be a challenge to it because you know, you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you're going to go to the gym to seven. You're going to, you know, get out through normal PT till 745 or whatever it is. You're going to go eat breakfast. You're going to go to work and you come home about 1800, eat dinner, go to sleep, rinse and repeat. And so how, sometimes how do you break up that routine uh, to give a purpose back to you again, if, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. It does. Well, it's, so, Sergeant Major, uh, you alluded to uh, these guys only having a busy schedule, so you're probably seeing me too much in the room or the office here. Um, but, uh, you know, I to Sergeant Major uh, Harris's point, um, I, and, and General Sims's, is I do think there's a routine component to it. Um, and... As he's talking his weightlifting schedule, I'm thinking Mondays, back and buys, Wednesdays, chest and tries, Fridays, shoulders, legs. And I hated it. I got tired of it. Um, and so I, I, I did do something different. Um, but, but what I have felt energy with is the people that I do them with. And you recall back at Riley where Mondays were my day, Tuesdays were sensing session, Wednesdays were company PT, Thursdays were battalion command, and, and, and Wednesdays... Uh, or sorry, Fridays, I do know the days of the week, Fridays, uh, you know, HHC. So it was people for me and being able to do that um, kind of kept it fresh. Um, and, and if I gave them the, the, the mission to develop PT in that example, that was, it wasn't me, it was somebody else giving me. And so I, I felt like there was still routine in it. It was still part of the schedule, but because we changed people and who was doing it, it kept it fun. Thank you for that, sir. You know, it, kind of a two-part of this question, really, but but just something that I that's happened recently, and I know it happens to all of us. Um, oftentimes, I, I, I ask soldiers when I see them, and I know you all do as well, hey, uh, how are you doing? You know, like truly, not like, hey, what's up? You know, how are you doing? So I said this just the other day, uh, how many times, we'll say in, in a week, we'll say a week, does somebody ask you, General Sims or Commander Sergeant Harris or, or Colonel Shivers, hey, how are you doing? Like really doing, right? As far as you, you, your, your mental health, uh, spiritual, et cetera. Because as I walk around historic, I could see some faces, you, you notice differences in soldiers. And so what made me think of this is like, 
you know, for me personally, I mean, really in a week, I would say zero. Does anybody truly ask me, hey, how are you doing? And, and so I, I, I attribute it to uh, commanding general, the division star major, the brigade command team. Well, they feel like we're invincible. You know, we're always okay because we got to the positions that we're in. But, but you don't know what's going on in somebody's head, I guess is my point. And so my, my question, I guess, would be is who checks on you? Who checks on you? Who asks you, how are you guys doing? Well, I think, we, you know, we, you know, certainly our, our families are doing that for us. Um, you know, I, my wife certainly is doing that, um, you know, routinely. And, you know, I mean, it's, and they notice, you know, your family notices when you're, when something's off a lot easier than, than a bunch of others. I, I have, you know, I have lunch, not every week, but about every other week with a group of chaplains um, from all over the division and they come back. And I, I tell the chaplains all the time that, you know, they have like one of the most important jobs when you think about it. And the, if, if, if they're doing it really well, they're checking on their commander. I was, I had a chaplain when I was regimental commander here in Europe and, um, I'd come back into my office, both in and out of combat. I'd come back to my office and I'd see him sitting in the couch in my office and he would just look at me and he'd be like, sir, shut the door. And I would shut the door and it would give me, he'd give me, you know, 30, 45, 60 minutes. And he would just ask me, how you doing? And you get a chance to talk about it. I think, you know, part of that though, for me is when people ask you, you want them to be genuine. So if you think about the number of times that, that, you know, people ask folks how they're doing, they don't really care, right? They're just, it, it seems like they're just, it's just a conversation piece. What I want is when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I'd like them to genuinely be, you know, concerned about how I'm doing. Um, or else it, it, almost, it almost makes me feel worse. Well, sir, I'd add on to that, too, is depending on the relationship you have, I think some of those questions are more pointed toward specific things, as in, you know, you and I were very close together, obviously, and if something I, I could notice if you, you know, if anybody comes out of, if he came out of a meeting with a, you know, facial expression, hey, everything good, instead of the holistic of somebody that you don't know. So, so I think it's a lot of it's dependent on how close you work with somebody also. Sure. Because uh, you get after more specific things than just the whole, how are you doing? It's, hey, how's your pinky toe, Sergeant Major Serrano? I know you stubbed it yesterday trying to lift the five pounds of weights that you do. You know, how, how's your pinky toe doing? You know what I mean? So we'll get to more specifics than that holistic, you know, approach, if you will. And, and I think that's how we, as, as as you described earlier, the senior leaders maybe kind of talk about it. And so it's not maybe just an everyday, how are you doing check, but it's more of, hey, I know your shoulder was hurt. You doing better with your shoulder today or how's that progressing? Yeah, so interesting. Um, chaplain Sarmiento, the brigade chaplain, does do that. He's uh, he's been regular about doing, you know, once a month breakfasts with me. That wasn't coming for me. That was my chaplain who who did that. And so uh, he asks. My wife asks, but sometimes that's, you know, there's there's a different angle there. And and so I, the so what is I think you need different people out there. And and I had a sergeant major at first SFAB, and he's since then been killed in action. Tim Bullier. And uh, he uh, he would come in my office and, and sit down, and I was the deputy commander of First SFAB, and he would say, "Hey, sir, I'm worried about you. You don't have a battle buddy. You're a DCO, and the sergeant major has the commander and first sergeants, etc." And, and I was kind of in this gap, and and he he like you said, sir, was legitimately concerned and asked, and we carried on a great conversation. And what I think though that I, I learned about that was 
he was genuinely concerned. And because of that, I created a relationship with him that continued to, you know, I would ask him, he would ask me. And we weren't immediate chain of command. If you, he had a squadron commander. And um, I think you need to do that. So my advice would be that there's a wife out there, yes. There's your battle buddy out there, yes. But when somebody reaches out to you and shows that, that you reciprocate, uh, not to reciprocate, but to to harness what they're doing for you uh, and, and create that relationship. I do, because there are people out there, I think we probably don't reach out and grab them and, and say thanks and let them know that it's valuable. And, and so, you know, all of you kind of hit the nail on the head with, with a lot of important points, obviously, but the, the thing that I've noticed and I'm trying to convey to, to other leaders is the fact that none of us are invincible. So so to be able to, to, to genuinely, as you alluded to, sir, ask uh, honestly, you know, how are you doing, one, and two, to honestly give an answer. I think it, it's uh, it's super important. And like I said, I see it here, uh, you know, and, and as we engage, though, more people are forthcoming with, with, with honest answers, and I think it's great because that, that'll help, you know, with, with that whole process. Yeah, I think it's our major, the, you know, kind of pulling on that, too, what you were just saying there, Sergeant Major, and, and what Sergeant Major Harris said earlier is, you know, you can't, it's hard to ask somebody how they're doing if you don't genuinely care about them. And, and if you, if you do care about them, I mean, you've got to, to, to get to that point, you've got to connect, right? So we talk about, you know, what a leader is and, you know, it's, and sometimes, you know, leadership is uncomfortable for people, right? It's it, because you have to show a level of engagement with another human being to show that level of engagement allows you then to genuinely be able to determine if somebody's doing well or not. Otherwise, it's just a, a random statement. Hey, how you doing? And whereas, you know, like Star Major said, if you come in and you're, you're able to say, you don't know that somebody hurt their shoulder unless you know them. And when you do that, you, you continue, like, like Colonel Shivers said, you continue to expand on that connection with it. You have to connect with another human being. I mean, that's what leadership's all about. It's connecting with people. And that's why, you know, we're all sitting here, we're all Army officers and non-commissioned officers. We chose the Army because it's all about people. And, you know, I mean, we're looking out the window right here uh, in Ailsheim. I mean, you got all these helicopters sitting on the tarmac, and they're, they're fantastic. Not a single one of them starts itself. Not a single one of them flies itself. And, you know, that all happens because of the people, the men and women inside there, and they are better men and women inside when we're genuinely concerned about them and concerned about each other. So, 100% agree, sir. Thank you for that. Um, so, I got about a couple more things uh, as we approach the end of the episode here. And uh, first of all, for you, uh, Colonel Shivers, um, with about a week left in command, as we discussed, um, what feelings do you have as you leave Brigade Command? This is awesome with my division commander. Which it's <laughs> all, I, I don't want to leave. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's part true. You know, I mean, you, you sacrifice and dedicate a lot to um, a, a mission, but in this case, to the people. And so you create these relationships that, uh, you know, you, 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 you want to continue to foster. And you, you know that when you walk away, some of those relationships will go away. They just, it's, it is hard to maintain. But there will be some that you absolutely do. Um, our three left the other day. And, you know, I'll, I'll be genuinely miss that guy for the relationship that we created. Um, but uh, there's a part of you that's like, okay, um, Jason Ariaga, it's yours. You know, and, and the good part of the Army is that we do have quality leaders who are going to go over day. And that makes it good to step away. 
you know, and, and I'm looking forward to the next challenge too. But um, there's absolutely mixed emotions. Um, I, I said this recently, I always thought I could. I didn't know if I would get the opportunity to do so. And, and now I think it takes time and distance to really see how well or to rhyme how good you, you did. And so I just think that that's where we're at right now. Someone will, will take over. Someone will take charge. And these great soldiers and subordinates out there will continue to do the mission. And, and then I'm looking really forward to stepping back and just seeing how, you know, how well assessed that, that my leadership impacted uh, the formation and then where they continue to go from here. So in some, it's, there's mixed emotions. It's been, it's been really the highlight of my life so far, and uh, I hope to, to do it again. Yeah, thanks, sir. We'll miss you. Uh, obviously, you, you definitely will leave a, an impact on, on formation. So thank you. Um, sir, it's our major, uh, as a parting shot, if you will. Um, what would you tell our soldiers and families that listen to this podcast about being a member of the Bro? Well, I tell you, you know, this is my fourth time being a Big Red One soldier. Um, and throughout my 25 years in the Army, I don't think I have connected more to an organization than I have with the 1st Infantry Division. Um, one, you know, the history and the lineage is beyond any other organization in the Army. Uh, and two, I will tell you, the leaders and soldiers in this division are phenomenal. The things that, that our soldiers uh, go through and our families go through and the resilience they have um, is unlike anything that you see. And I think a lot of that is because of the support that we have for each other and even the surrounding communities of Fort Riley. I really think it is. Um, you know, when you can see community and community being, whether that's on post, off post, come together uh, to support soldiers uh, going through issues uh, or just supporting soldiers and families to have fun, to do something different, to generally give them themselves um, without an underlying purpose behind it. You know, they, they don't want anything from it. They just want to give. And, and I think there's something very special with that. Um, you know, I tell people all the time every Wednesday when the CG and I do our victory welcome, I tell everybody I've thought this since 1996, that Fort Riley is, is the best you know, hidden secret in the army. I really think it is because of everything I just described earlier. You know, and it's one of those things you got to come with eyes wide open and come with, you know, the want to, to do something different, something better. Um, but the people, like the commander said earlier, you know, the people of this division is what makes it what it is. Uh, and I'm just, I've always been truly fascinated. I'm truly humbled to be here and be the division sergeant major uh, for sure. Um, and really just to be able to help where I can. And that's just the end state, to help where I can. Thank you, Sergeant Major. Yeah, you know, the, I'll tell you, the, the Colonel Chivers was talking about leaving. And, uh, you know, I I love Fridays or Thursdays on four-day weekends because we wear our red patch. It's, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize when I got here how impactful that would be. Um, and I'll tell you, the thing I probably regret the most is that I wear it only on my left shoulder because um, someday I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to wear the patch, you know, unless we go to combat the next year. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I don't have any tattoos, I'm not against tattoos, but, you know, the, I, I've, I'm, no, I'm not even kidding. I've, I've thought in my brain about getting a big red one tattoo just to maintain this connection to the division. Um, Sleep, of course. Oh, yeah, the whole okay. thing. Um, but, you know, I, I'll tell you, man, I, I think, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, it's, I'm coming up on a year. Um, 
I'm really pleased with with where we are as a division, and and I it's come about because of the leadership at all levels, and certainly the soldiers, and you know across the division. But I'm most pleased because I think that we're moving towards an environment that uh, that we want to be in, that you want to be in, right? I mean, I we the Sergeant Major and I every Wednesday we talked at Vicar Welcome, and and I kind of finish it up. We talk about all the things we're doing at uh, Fort Riley, and and all the things that the division has done, and. Um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the training aspects of things because you know, we, we, we tell people, listen, the training, you know, the training we've got at Riley, the training areas we've got are the best in the Army. The training that you're going to do is going to be extraordinary. But, you know, there's great training. There are great training areas in a lot of places. What makes this place so, so particularly special are the people that are around us, right? And the, the ability to attach yourself, whether you're at 1ID or IAC or the garrison, to be able to connect with this group of people at Fort Riley and around Fort Riley. And, and what we always end with is we, we say, you know, we kind of describe this environment. Imagine if you were in, in an organization, you're an organization in which people genuinely cared for you and you cared for everybody else, where you genuinely respected the people around you and they respected you, and your leaders were, were sincerely concerned with your well-being. And imagine that kind of organization. That's the kind of organization that we all join the Army to be a part of. And I think, you know, that's the kind of organization that we're fostering here. Certainly, you know, if you look internal to your, your organization and, you know, the connections that the men and women have, not just here, but back in your Ready Reserve, um, I mean, that's what we're trying to, to, to get to. And it, it may be aspirational. There are always to be naive to think that we don't have pieces and parts that don't always get there. But that, that ought to be what we're shooting for. And, uh, and every day, I think we're, we're pretty darn close to that. And so um, I'm really proud to be a part of Big Red One. And, you know, I mean, the history of the First Division is extraordinary. Fort Riley is extraordinary. But again, it's all about the people around us. So... Yeah, thank you for that, sir. I'll tell you, uh, for Sergeant Major, you said you're a fourth time being, you know, a member of the Big Red One. For me, first time, 28 years in the Army, first time ever being a Fort Riley. And I could honestly say that I'm glad, if this is my last stop, I'm glad that it was here because it's a great community. Never been in Kansas before, and I've been in Fort Riley before. I think, like you said, it's a great hidden, uh, you know, treasure, if you will, but I, I think it's it's awesome. You know, I, I, it's it really. I'm the same as you, Sergeant Major. I mean, I had never been here before, and never been in in the organization before, and you know, now I'm openly saying I'd I'd get a tattoo. <laughs> but but you know, um, it it really is just it's just extraordinary. You know, I mean, I mean, it kind of humbles you to to think about, and um, you know, you I mean, Colonel Chivers, we're gonna boot him out next next week, and. You know, he'll get all teary-eyed because, you know, when something matters to you, you know, there's emotion with that. Um, so, anyways, it sure, I'll tell you, it sure is great to be here with you guys today. And I have a chance to kind of walk around and talk to some of the young men and women in the, in the Demon Brigade. And I appreciate you inviting us to participate in this today as well. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, you know, and really, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure having you all on the show today. Uh, I want to thank you for again taking time out of the busy schedule. I know you guys got a lot of stuff to do, but but I truly appreciate it. I know uh, everyone that that wears the big red one is uh, is glad to be on board. 
So. Well, I, I guess we'll sing the song later because I know you guys finish with a song every week. But, uh, <laughs> no, we yeah. actually don't, sir. But thank you. Really. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, our manager. No, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, again, for all the listeners, thank you for, uh, for again, joining us today. Uh, have a great rest of the weekend. And uh, Demon 7, signing out.